more than ever, when retail is so competitive and brick and mortar has to constantly justify its existence, you know, justify why why you need a store and why a customer should shop in a store versus you know buying something online at Amazon. Your service is one of the main reasons that can differentiate you from online shopping and can give customers a reason to come into your store. So if better pay gets you better service from your employees, and there's evidence that says it will, there's every incentive to do it. Hi, I'm Daphne Howland. And I'm Ben Unglesby. We're senior reporters with Retail Dive, and this is our podcast where we break down the biggest industry news and trends. And talk about some of the things that don't always make it into our stories. This is The Backroom. Hey, everybody. Today on The Backroom, Ben and I are talking about minimum wage and how much consumers have needed to be propped up in an economy that's been shaped by the pandemic. Lots of jobs lost, furloughs. Retail workers are already some of the lowest paid in the country. Retailers aren't particularly the best paying employers in the country. So Ben, talk a little bit about your feature from last week, Who's Afraid of a Minimum Wage? Yeah. So we started it, to be frank, before the stimulus bill passed. And while a raise of the minimum wage to $15 was still a potential part of that bill, by the time we actually published, the Senate parliamentarian had nixed it on procedural grounds as part of the budget reconciliation process, which is not not our area of expertise. <laughs> we don't typically cover Congress, so I'm not going to get into all that. But basically, didn't make it into the bill, but there's no reason to think that the issue is going to go away. It's, you know, it's a major priority for a lot of Democrats, including President Joe Biden. The minimum wage hasn't been raised for more than 10 years. It stands at $7.25 an hour. And more than a couple dozen cities have raised their minimum wage to, to $15. And it's been a big push among progressives and, and Democrats. So there's reason to think that there'll be another, you know, there'll be another bite at the apple, so to speak. And we just kind of took the opportunity to to look at that issue. Because there's been with all the, you know, with the cities such as Seattle and, you know, New York that have raised their minimum wage to, to $15, there's been a lot of new economic research. And economists still don't, I mean, it, 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 it's, not, uh, it's not a settled matter in economics what exactly the effects of, you know, higher minimum wages are on employment, you know, job numbers. And there's also a whole host of other factors to, to study. You hear people very confidently stating completely opposite conclusions that uh, it has a negative impact on jobs or no impact on jobs or a positive impact on jobs. So there's been a lot of research within economics. It's not really a settled matter. It has a lot of different effects on retailers, in particular, businesses more broadly, not to mention, of course, the, the impact it has on workers' lives. And the other reason I, why I think this issue is probably going to stay at the foreground is because of the pandemic. 
retail workers are, are taking on more risk just showing up to work than they ever did in the past. There have been some cities that have, that have you know, instituted extra hazard pay on, on top of the minimum wage. But I, I think retail workers, frontline workers are in the spotlight. There's as much political support behind a, a $15 minimum wage than, you know, I've ever seen since the issue sort of started to kind of gain steam last decade. I mean, seven twenty-five an hour is kind of an embarrassingly low minimum wage for an advanced country like the United States. And I'm guessing there are very few retailers, at least major chains, that can get away with having that be their starting wage in any given area. But you mention a bunch of retailers that actually have instituted at least 15 just from the get-go. So anyone's working at these retailers are going to be starting at 15. Target very recently moved their starting minimum to $15. Costco's, I think, has raised it even beyond that. I, I forget the exact figure, but I believe it's above $15 an hour. Walmart said its average starting wage is going to be $15 or above. That's a different thing from saying they're, you know, across the board starting minimum is going to be $15. I believe Amazon is at $15. I think Amazon's is also an average. Amazon is in a fight right now. There's a unionization effort in Bessemer, Alabama, which actually has a pretty strong tradition of unionizing because there were auto plants there and stuff that were unionized. Amazon hasn't, from what I can tell, I can't find where Amazon is stating what their starting pay is for that warehouse. But the MIT living wage calculator, um, there's some researchers who have come up with a living wage calculator for regions, counties in each state. And for Bessemer, Alabama, a living wage for a single person without children would be $13 an hour, which is getting close to the 15 that people want. And, you know, Bessemer, Alabama probably doesn't have the kind of cost of living pressures that other areas do, meaning that 15 in some areas probably isn't actually enough. One of the things that you go into in your story is the benefits of a higher wage. I mean, obviously, I see in my inbox reports from economists saying retailers could face headwinds if wages go up and, you know, that it hurts their bottom line. But what it also does is bring a lot more discretionary spending ability to consumers, which this past year, which with every pandemic relief bill, which included anti-poverty programs and literally checks cut to consumers, retail spending was clearly supported by that to the point where I wrote a story saying, basically, what would retailers do without government assistance right now? I mean, they seem to really need consumers to be financially supported in this direct way, which argues for a higher minimum wage, I would think. Yeah. A higher minimum wage has the ability to lift a lot of people out of poverty. The Congressional Budget Office, it's a nonpartisan agency that does research for, for Congress. And some of their numbers on the minimum wage were disputed, but they did say it could lift nearly a million people out of poverty. The impact on people goes beyond just financial. I mean, there's been research connecting minimum wage to the positive mental health outcomes. It could lift children out of poverty. And then, you know, you bring up the point of, you know, potential 
you know, stimulating consumer spending, it could have, you know, positive impacts on retail businesses beyond just that. You know, within a business, when they're paying a higher minimum wage, it's been shown to increase productivity, lower turn, you know, lower their turnover rate. So it can have positive financial impact on the businesses that are paying those wages as well. There's been research into Costco, and I think Costco even says this whenever they defend their higher minimum wages to their investors, which is that they have much lower turnover, happier workers, which means more productive workers. I mean, you know, my uncle ran a grocery store. It wasn't a chain or anything. It was just a small corner store in an urban Midwestern city. And I remember him years ago saying that he would be embarrassed if he didn't pay his workers something that would allow them to support their families. And I think that once upon a time, it wasn't just, and and I think actually still a lot of small retailers are like that. They don't necessarily have the margins or the efficiencies of a chain, but they, maybe it's just because the owner personally knows the people who work for him or her that you sort of have to face them and know what you're paying them and what kind of situation you're putting them in. But I think there once upon a time, there was just in general in the United States a sense that employees were one of their stakeholders. I think right now we think of shareholders as the major stakeholders of any one corporation, whereas I think there was a time when customers, shareholders, and employees were almost equal stakeholders in a given business. And I wonder if this discussion around this minimum wage is getting us a little bit closer to understanding that business, including retail, has a stake in making sure that their employees can take care of their lives and their families. And it is it is interesting to see some of the biggest names in in retail push their wages higher and tout it. We've talked about this on the show. You know, Amazon has been able to, as a company, sort of retrain shareholders, <laughs> you know, retrain investors into a sort of a long term mentality and and thinking about things differently from you know quarterly cycles and you know just pure SGNA expense bottom line sort of thinking. Now you're seeing Walmart and Target and Co- Costco has been doing it for years, and you know they're amid any period of retail upheaval we've seen Costco has weathered it and succeeded Amazon they're they're raising their they're all raising their wages they're all touting it not just to their customers and and to the press but to their investors and they're they're making the case we could see the you know and and if they have success and if they can sort of demonstrate the benefits of paying higher wages in terms of you know higher sales better customer satisfaction better surveys lower turnover more productive employees less shrink all these things that it has the potential to do then maybe they can kind of retrain shareholders and investors broadly across retail because you know they're showing them it doesn't have to be a low wage industry there you can especially now you know more, more than ever when Retail is so competitive and brick and mortar has to constantly justify its existence, you know, justify why why you need a store and why a customer should shop in a store versus, you know, buying something online at Amazon. Your service is one of the main reasons that can differentiate you from online shopping and can give customers a reason to come into your store. So if better pay gets you better service from your employees, and there's evidence that says it will, there's every incentive to do it. 
There's something else, and I feel like a lot of our readers like to hear about Gen Z consumers. And for a while there, I was sort of making fun of that because a lot of Gen Z consumers were still in elementary school. But the years have passed, and I have Gen Z consumers in my home. And the minimum wage is an issue that I would say influences younger consumers the way issues like sustainability and social justice influences them. And if a retailer solidifies a reputation as being against minimum wage or not paying well, I think they're going to pay a price with these consumers. I, I don't think these consumers are kidding around. If you value the opinion and if you want to attract to your stores, these sort of socially aware consumers, <clears throat> I think it's the wage is going to be right in there with your sustainability plan. Well, and, and there's there's broad public support too for a $15 minimum wage. Pew, as recently as 2019, found two thirds of Americans uh, supported it. And it, the, the share is higher among Democrats, but it's still very substantial even among Republicans who, who tend to be very pro-business and for lax re regulation. So there's broad public support. And I think retailers might understand that now in maybe a way that they didn't a decade ago as the public's views on on this has evolved so as retailers because you retail as an industry was very quiet during the debate over the $15 minimum wage going into the stimulus package they didn't there were no press releases among some of the major industry trade groups there were no policy papers i'm not sure if there's even any actual lobbying going on they were very quiet and they and the one official with a trade group that would talk to me said their members support a higher minimum wage not necessarily $15 but they they would support raising it beyond 725 which is you know again that that number hasn't changed for more than 10 years it's nowhere near being close enough to support a family or maybe even a single person in, in a lot of <laughs> maybe most American places. So, you know, and, you know, you can contrast that with even even 2014, when there was talk of the federal minimum going to over $10. And, and Matt Shea with, with NRF just issued a really scathing letter to, to then President Obama called it essentially a job killing policy. I that that's not his exact wording. But so the the industry ha the industry I think as a whole has kind of changed its view on the minimum. And there may not be uh, agreement on what the number is, and and maybe not everyone wants a wants to see a fifteen dollar minimum. But they're not vocally fighting it as an industry, which I think is interesting. To some extent, that might have to do with the market. I mean, I've just got to believe that even in the poorest counties, the minimum wage, the prevailing not the minimum wage in a given state, but the prevailing market probably forces most businesses to beat 725. I mean, that's not that that's all that difficult to beat. And I imagine that retailers would want a minimum because it forces their rivals to increase their minimums. If, if Target's going to make a show out of spending 15 an hour out the gate for their hourly workers, I'm sure that they would like other retailers to have to get close to that but they probably want a little bit of wiggle room no you know they don't want to be told that this is their minimum i have to say though they seem to understand 
the incentive argument when it comes to their executives. I mean, these some of these retailers have some pretty astronomical CEO pay levels, and I think that's going to probably get increasing attention as well. Well, yeah. I mean, to take the example of Kroger, you know, they, they've been in the news a couple of times recently for fighting the um, the hazard pay increases in, in uh, different places, and they've closed stores and chalked it up to the hazard pay increases. And at the same time, you know, last year they gave shareholders, I believe it was about $2 billion in the form of dividends and, and share buybacks. That's a lot of money. <laughs> it's hard it's hard to make and and they they've gotten a lot of flack for closing those stores and and opposing that the hazard pay and it's it's hard to make the case that you can't pay your employees more when they are on the front lines of a pandemic and at the same time pass on money to passive shareholders that aren't you know that aren't actually running the company and and you know making sure that it it performs well now and going into the long term it's interesting cuz i wonder the pandemic, it feels like the pandemic sort of pulled the curtain away from the inner workings of e-commerce too, and with the, all the stories about warehouse workers having to struggle with maybe certain warehouses not complying with distance requirements and, and stuff like that and mask requirements. And I think more people realize that when they ordered something online and it arrived in their doorstep, that the in-between steps actually took real people to make that happen. So I wonder if there's a greater understanding that it's not just store workers, but also warehouse workers who, you know, need to make a living. I mean, again, I don't think this is going to be the last attempt to pass a, a minimum wage increase. So we'll be following the issue closely. I'm sure, you know, there'll be others who raise their wages. And as as they report on earnings, we may get a little more color on what that actually means for their business. So it's it's an interesting issue. The facts and the research are constantly changing. The politics are changing. It'll be really interesting to see where it goes. Definitely. All right. That's all the time we have today. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like, subscribe, and rate wherever you get your podcasts.